everyone to another fabulous episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by an amazing artist. Joining us today, we have the choreographer, John Hagenbotham. His upcoming work being presented by Works in Process at the Guggenheim, the third bird. It's playing December 15th and 16th at the Guggenheim, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting worksandprocess.org. We are so excited to be bringing you another dance performance piece and to have this amazing choreographer here to speak with us. So let's go ahead and welcome on our guest, John Hagenbotham. Welcome to Whispering Wings hey andrew thank you so much it's very cool to be here i am so excited to have you here i'm so excited to learn more about this piece it looks incredible and so if i could start by having you tell us a little bit about what third bird is and is about that would be amazing sure well third bird is in some ways a pandemic project it was conceived by isaac mizrahi who is the show's director, narrator, and writer. And, you know, so Works in Process at the Guggenheim presents this, I'm going to say, quite beautiful Peter and the Wolf that we've done annually for many, many years. And with the pandemic, of course, we weren't performing that, but we were we had a lot of time on our hands and a lot of daydreaming that we were doing. And we started just thinking about, well, what, what if there was a companion piece to go with Peter and the Wolf? So Isaac wrote this beautiful libretto that sort of follows this, the kind of the structure of Peter and the Wolf. It's a 30 minute long piece, just like Peter and the Wolf. And some of the same characters appear again in this companion piece. You know, there was an idea early on, we thought, wouldn't it be nice to sort of approach this like a Christopher Guest cast, you know, where the Christopher Guest wonderful actors, you know, they appear in all of the movies, but they're always different characters. So we had our cast of actors and dancers, some playing the same roles from Peter and the Wolf and some new roles as well. That's amazing. So I, I want to kind of slip an extra question in. Is this more of a children's performance or is it all ages still? Well, certainly children are, you know, beautifully welcomed into into this piece, in, into watching the show. Yeah, it's very kid-friendly for sure. But I will say, I mean, the story is universal. It's about, it's about an ostrich who escapes from the Central Park Zoo. And the ostrich has an idea that it's, it's meant to fly. And so that's over the course of the of the performance, the various characters sort of deal with what what is what is flight, what is the what is the beauty and function of flight, and does everybody have to fly in order to be valuable and beautiful? That's so lovely. So now you have mentioned that this piece is kind of a, a partner piece. Where did you come up with the idea to create it as that? Like, what is the antithesis? Well, you know, so early in the pandemic, I was talking with Isaac because I should, maybe I should just say, so we, we collaborated on Peter and the Wolf. He directed it, designed it, and narrates that production. I choreographed it. And when we were having an early discussion, I 
mentioned Isaac, should we do, would it be fun to do, you know, some sort of video project that is related to Peter and the Wolf during the pandemic? You know, a little five minutes, uh, maybe it's like the backstory of the duck or something like that, right? And, and Isaac said, you know, I'm not really that interested in doing a short film. What I would be interested in doing is, you know, um, coming up with a new show. And so he used that time to, to write this new show. And then we had a bubble residency to a couple of bubble residencies to create the show. We got postponed for a year for, for the premiere of the piece. And then we finally premiered it in 2022, summer of 2022. And now it's making, you know, I'm so thankful that it's making a good triumphant return. That's fantastic. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you. Me too. Now, I'd like to ask, what has it been like developing this current iteration of Third Bird that's opening in just a week? Oh, well, it was a beautiful process of making it. You know, like I, I mentioned, we had these bubble residencies, one of them at the Catskill Mountain Foundation and one at this beautiful place called The Church in on Long Island, Sag Harbor. And, you know, the, the uh, Catskill version of this piece, it was the first time that most of us, I actually I want to say all of us maybe, had been sort of working on a piece in person together. We'd all, you know, everybody had made their movies, but, uh, you know, everybody had made their videos, all of that stuff. But we, this was the first time we were able to actually work together on something. And we did it in this really beautiful theater. And the one of the great things about it also is that, so there was housing provided for us, but there were two two of us, were too too many for the housing so they set up some you know cots in the dressing rooms of the theater which a lot which was sort of adjacent to the housing so i myself literally lived in the in the theater for two weeks and I, lo I loved it. It was great. And, you know, I told my parents when I was a very small child, probably five or seven years old, I said, I told them that I wanted a life in the theater. And I literally had a life in the theater. I was living there day in and day out for a couple of weeks. And it was, it was beautiful. And we just, we had so much fun developing the piece. Really had this sort of luxurious time to experiment, try things out, yeah, and, and sort of get back into the practice of making making a show after not having been able to do that for a year and a half. That is incredible. You are literally living every I feel like performing artist's dream, getting to live in a theater. That's incredible. <laughs> really fun. So with this piece and with it being a companion piece and whatnot, is there a message or a thought you're hoping that audiences will take away from it? Yeah. I mean, the, to me, the message of the show is that every creature is beautiful and different. And, you know, I'm not, I won't give it away whether the ostrich flies or not, but I will say the ostrich through the course of the piece is able to make a decision about how that ostrich would like to live their life. 
And that's the beauty. You know, we're, there's beauty in all of us is the message. That's so wonderful. I love that. Well, my final question for this first part of the interview is, who do you hope have access to Third Bird? Oh, I I would say, I well, I would hope certainly that children would have access to it. But I would say that, you know, you, you asked a question about who this is for. It really, it's for all audiences. There's, there's, the show is not so child oriented that it, it's not possible for other human beings to relate to it. So I, yeah, I would say all, all people, any age, any, any gender, any race, any, any, all ostriches are welcome. second half of the interview i would love to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better and i want to start by asking you what or who inspires you what playwrights or composers or shows in the past have inspired you or are some of your favorites and since we're dealing with a dance piece i also want to include you know choreographers or dance shows as well awesome i love this question Thank you so much. You know, so I will say like early in my life, I was very influenced both with a a dream to become a performer, but also really early on wanting to be a choreographer. And that was, you know, my parents, you know, I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, and my parents, mother, a teacher, father, an accountant, and they both loved, or they continue to love the arts, the performing arts, and in particular, musical theater and, you know, like Hollywood musicals from the golden era. So, you know, I grew up watching a lot of musicals. You know, I certainly, of course, was inspired by you know, Gene Kelly, Singing in the Rain is, you know, if not my favorite movie, certainly one of my top favorite movies, you know, but then simultaneously, the Merce Cunningham Dance Company came up to Anchorage, Alaska. And for for listeners who may not know who that is, Merce Cunningham was like a groundbreaking, earth-shattering choreographer who changed the way we think about what dance looks like and how we're supposed to experience it and uh you know this you know super cutting edge avant-garde very challenging to watch and listen to potentially the music often for this piece for, for his work sounds you know not necessarily traditionally pretty and so so i was very inspired by seeing Merce and, and that company feeling like, okay, well, dance can absolutely be wonderful, wonderful entertainment, super high quality entertainment, but it can also be really unpredictable and not everybody has to face forward all the time and be presentational in that way. You know, so certainly influenced by sort of maybe those two points of a continuum. Yeah, and then I will say, like today, I'm I'm influenced by 
by a ton of like beautiful, amazing artists. I, I have a really good friend who is also like a very celebrated choreographer, Pam Tanowitz, who actually has a show in New York this week, Song of Songs at City Center. I'm influenced by her and her sort of her methods of making dances. I'm influenced by, you, you know what, there, there's a really wonderful choreographer named Darrell Grand Moultrie, who I'm super inspired because he works in ballet, he works in theater, he works in, he, you know, he choreographed part, a portion of one of Beyonce's tours. He's just, he's living the dream of being all over the place and sort of the types of work that he is able to share with the world. So I'm really, really inspired by sort of what he does. You know, and you know who I love? Basil Twist. And Basil, I actually don't know if he would consider himself to be a choreographer. He did just win a choreography award in London for his show, My Neighbor Totoro. I don't know, I don't know that he would, he would identify himself as that, but he certainly is a choreographer, whether, whether he wants to be one or not. And I'm really inspired by what he is able to do with his puppetry, you know, pu puppets that are, you know, figurative, like human figures and puppets that are pieces of fabric and balloons and stuff like that. So I, yeah, I, I find him to be quite inspiring. That's an incredible list. I love that. Love all the shout outs there. A few names that, that I recognize, a few that I don't, but I, I'm interested to look more into them. So beautiful, beautiful list. And I want to build on that. And I want to ask, you know, have you seen any great performing arts lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Wow. Yes. Yes, I yes I have. I'm actually really excited to say that because sometimes you can go you can have a bit of a drought, you know. I, I will say I am interested in seeing everything. You know, like even if it's something that ultimately I don't particularly enjoy, I'm happy to know I don't know what other artists are thinking about or or how they're choosing to present themselves and their work. You know, so okay, so I will say first of all, I come from uh, the, the lineage of a dance company called the Mark Morris Dance Group. Mark Morris, who is known in particular for his musicality, he, and his, his work is often really, really heavily influenced and based on the pieces of music he chooses, and he's a really broad palette of music. He, you know, he performs, his company performs in New York very frequently. They just had a big retrospective in August of work throughout the years. And so I would just say, oh, and I think I think his show, The Look of Love, which is set to the music of Burt Bacharach, is coming pretty soon to New York. I would highly recommend going to see that. I would say, so there's a show that I, I'm not, I'm not sure it's still running, but if it is, like I highly, highly recommend it. It's a, it is a dance and theater show. This artist, Michael Keegan Dolan, and his partner, Rachel, I'm going to probably mispronounce her last name, Poirier, Poirier, I'm not quite sure. They have a two-person dance and theater extravaganza at St. Anne's Warehouse that's been running called Learning, Learning to Dance in 72,000 Easy Lessons. 
beautiful. I was so moved by this show. And then, I, you know, I, I know I'm, t- I'm talking about shows that maybe have just closed or I'm not quite sure if they're running. I'm going to talk about another one, which is that I loved so much Goodnight Oscar. Okay. Andrew, did you see it? Oh, yeah. Well, I just, so this is one of those performances. So I went, so back to my influences, my father was visiting me in New York and my dad, who, you know, had sort of introduced me to to Oscar Levant, you know, to the work of Oscar Levant. And I was like, oh, you know what? This will be a great show to take my dad to. And we saw either like one of the final previews or very shortly after it had opened. But I have to tell you, I didn't really have I didn't have expectations about the show. I didn't really know what it was about. I just knew that it was focused on Oscar Levant. And I'm going to tell you, I I like Sean Hayes. I enjoyed Will and Grace. You know, I saw I saw Sean Hayes in Promises. Uh, Promises. You know, he was great. But now, having seen Goodnight Oscar, I I will do anything for him if he want. I am I am terrified of like bungee jump. If he said let's go bungee jumping together, I would say great. Let's do it in the next five minutes. I'll do anything. I I would love to work with him in some situation or just even shake his hand. I mean, I was so impressed with his performance and the right. I mean, the Rhapsody in Blue. Oh yeah, like I didn't. My memory. Know, my memory. I remember. I I like and. This is a Broadway show. I, I don't know. I felt like this was the kind of show, like, yes, of course, it, it definitely has commercial theater. You know, it lives in that world for sure. But there were elements of the show that I was like, I can't believe this is on Broadway. You know, it was very imaginative and creative. And I was so moved at the end when he makes the choice that he makes. And I, I just, I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. I'm going to, can I say one more thing? Yeah. Okay. So I was, I was in London recently and I saw the Nicholas Heitner guys and dolls. Have you seen it? No. So I also was in London and I wanted to go see it because it's one of my favorite shows and I heard nothing but incredible things about this. Andrew, you have, you have to go back to London and see this. Uh, Or I mean, I'm sure New York, but so for people who are listening who may not know, this production is an immersive production of Guys and Dolls, the classic musical. And by immersive, what I mean is, you, you know, you can you can sit and watch the show. It happens all around you, or you can be an audience member that is literally on stage with the performers. Okay. And there's a version of this in describing it where I start to wonder, is it sounding a little bit like Colonial Williamsburg, you know, like the experience of this, but it's not, it's not. I, and so I, again, like Sean Hayes, like I like Guys and Dolls. I have seen a number of versions of it, including the Nathan Lane, Faith Prince version from the nineties. You know, I mean, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of versions of it. I think the every song is the best song, you know, they're all great. And it's a musical comedy. It's really tightly, beautifully written. And so I went to the show and like, I watched it and, you know, the first act, I was super into it. I loved it. 
And then there's an intermission. And at the end of the intermission, act two started. And I just, I was so moved by how beautiful the production was. I cried for almost the entire second act. And I, I couldn't tell you what it was that did it to me. It's not like the story is a tearjerker. It's, it's a comedy. I mean, it's a musical comedy, but there was such a generosity and devotion to really giving the audience a really deeply fun experience. And that generosity I found incredibly moving. And I'm going to say Marisha Wallace, who plays Miss Adelaide, out of control, out of control like uh, also that character could be a cartoon it her version of that character is not a cartoon i mean it, uh, it's it's three-dimensional it's 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 she plays it more more deeply than maybe i've seen Ron adelaide into the 21st century yeah, she did. It, it, uh, a modern woman but still yeah. for the show like the story of the time yes yeah. And the choreography is is beautiful. I'm sorry, I don't actually know who choreographed it, but it was great choreography. Sit down, you're rocking the boat. Like holy, shit. there were there were like 17 encores, and every single time they do a slightly different staging. I was, I mean, I was by the by the like 16th encore. I was my my clothing was soaked. I had been crying and like incessantly it was just so fun and great guys and dolls you got to go see guys and dolls i gotta book a flight right now i gotta get back over there i want to ask now what is your favorite part about working in the theater in the performing arts wow favorite part i mean there there are you know there are it's hard to say like one particular thing but if i were to say it i mean i really love figuring out the puzzle i love i love having a point of inspiration and then figuring out ways to make that idea be a tangible thing that people can watch and experience i like honestly it's the it's i guess my favorite thing is the creation part even though it sometimes is really hard and can be frustrating and confusing, but the, the, yeah, the part of having an idea and then trying to figure out ways to make that idea real and to, and to be surprised actually. So my former boss, Mark Morris of Mark Morris dance group. said this beautiful thing to me once when I was early in my choreographic career. And he said, don't, don't make up the dance. That's, already in your head and what i loved about that so i'm telling you that i do like to make up the dance that's already in my head but i what i what i think he's trying to say what i think he said to me is like let yourself be surprised don't let it be so rigidly Im immobile that you can't let anything in to change it or react to something that's in the moment you know so i love i love the surprises but i also love the figuring out the plan that's so wonderful i love that that's fabulous <laughs> what wonderful advice too really great well he's a very smart person yeah 
And that now leads me to my favorite question to ask guests, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? Oh, wow. Wow. Favorite theater memory. I mean, there are things that are popping into my head. Like, Okay, a, a favorite memory would be I was performing with the Mark Morris Dance Group in an opera, King Arthur by Purcell, in England. And one of the other performers, this the, this person who's also my best friend, her, her name's Miley Okamura, and we were partners for this one part, but she played, uh, she played a man for a portion of the opera, and she had a prosthetic penis in her tights for that part, and she forgot to remove it for the next portion of the show. And so we're dancing together in this kind of tender, you know, sort of tender duet and she looks at me you know and try i can tell that she's trying to tell me something with her eyes and and then i finally realized that she has forgotten to remove the prosthetic so we just found that to be so hilarious and like so a favorite memory is the joy that we were experiencing in trying to hold it together and not really being able to hold it together because the circumstance of that so that's a favorite memory another favorite memory is actually seeing the janet mcteer a doll's house from i don't know maybe the mid 2000s i don't even know when that was was so good i went with my mom and we I mean, it was just, her performance was just so unbelievably excellent. And, and I never, I, I, I love Ibsen's plays, but I had never seen A Doll's House. And I, you know, I just, I didn't know how it was going to end. I didn't know how it was going to come out. And it was really suspenseful. And I just, I remember leaving the theater and thinking, okay, this is what, you know, this is what really effective theater can do. Okay, and then I will tell you, yes, okay, I will tell you my favorite theater experience. My favorite theater experience was sitting in Circle in the Square Theater on opening night of Daniel Fish's production of Oklahoma, which I choreographed, and which we had worked on together since uh, 2015 when he did a, he did a version of the production at Bard Summerscape at the Fisher Center in upstate New York. And, you know, so we had developed the show. It went to St. Anne's. It went to Broadway. And, I, you know, every iteration of that was beautiful for me. But as a kid who grew up with, like, musical theater being my my dream, and then here I was, like, sitting in the MS Broadway theater on an opening night of a production that I was I was part of it. And I, that's my favorite. That would be my favorite. Yeah. That is amazing. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Wonderful memories. Incredible. Thank you so much for sharing those. Thank you for asking me. It was fun to think about them. Do you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, thank you. So I, the the nearest one, the nearest New York one, aside from Third Bird and Peter and the Wolf, which are coming to the Guggenheim in December, uh, at some point next summer, and I can't, I'm, a, I'm sorry, I can't tell all of the details 
about it at this moment, but I will tell what I will tell you is that my dance company, which is called Dance Hagenbotham, we will be premiering a new work which is focused on mushrooms. And the the composer John Cage, who just bringing it full circle, John Cage was the life partner and art art artistic collaborative partner of Merce Cunningham, one of the choreographers I had mentioned before. So John Cage, who shook up the music world and and also made us understand that music can be a lot of different, it doesn't have to just be like a Bach two-part invention, it could be something else as well. You know, so so it's a piece inspired by John Cage, who was an a mycolo- an amateur mycologist. So his relationship with the mushrooms. And so it's this dance theater piece, which involves text. There's an actor, beautiful actor, Daniel Petro, who part of this production. And then the, dan- the fabulous, fabulous dancers of Dance Hagenbotham, wonderful composer, Colin Jacobson, who I work with regularly. And also the, a, the, the sound designer and engineer, Omar Zabir, who is, is, part of the Worcester group collaborative team. So we're all going to make this production. It's going it's an outdoor show and that's that's all I can say about it right now, but it'll be in New York next summer. That is amazing. I'm looking forward to that. We will have to stay tuned for those details. And that leads me to my final question. Yeah. If our listeners would like more information about Third Bird or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? Sure. Well, the the most direct way would be to go to my website. The problem is that my last name is really long and complicated and spelled in a way that is not always intuitive. So I'll just tell you, the website is dancehagenbotham.org and that is www.dance hagenbotham hagenbotham h-e-g-i-n-b-o-t-h-a-m as in musical theater dot org <laughs> well john thank you so so much for taking the time to speak with me today it has been an honor and i'm so excited about this piece so i appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today thank you andrew it's been really a pleasure to talk to you thanks for asking all these great questions and for having a conversation with me thank you my guest today has been the choreographer john hagenbotham whose upcoming show, Third Bird, is being presented by Works in Process at the Guggenheim. It's playing December 15th and 16th at the Guggenheim, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting worksandprocess.org. Also, there's a lot of exciting projects and productions coming from John Hagenbotham and his company, so make sure to check them out at dancehagenbotham.org. We're going to have all this information posted on our social media post, as well as on our episode description. So make sure you check all this out. But on December 15th and 16th, get over to the Guggenheim and check out Third Bird. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. And a stage whisper! Thank you. If 
you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.